Welcome back. Uh, so now we're getting into the ghost part of the show, and I want to start things off this week with a story that I call the Sleep Talking Duo. Uh, it's another one of my uh, kind of ghost stories from the convent, which if you need any context, uh, check the blog uh, for like a background on that. And also uh, last week's episode, episode two, has kind of me basically reading the blog post. Of, uh, on the context on that. Uh, so without further ado, here is the sleep-talking duo. One weekend that we were staying at the convent, Tommy and Jack stayed with us. This wasn't too unusual, even if they weren't working the whole weekend. Tommy and Jack would often be there for at least one night or two. I can't remember for sure why we were all there this particular weekend, but because there were four of us, our sleeping arrangements were slightly different. We almost always slept on an enclosed porch, built off the second floor as an addition. This porch was the main living room for the nuns when the two youngest ones, Sister Mary and Sister Joy, were home, so it didn't have beds. Rather, it had really nice, a really nice couch with reclining chair ends, two more reclining chairs, and a big screen TV, cable, and a mini fridge. It was like a dream. The couch and the reclining chairs formed a semicircle of seating that all faced the big TV, so from the two chairs, the TV was to your left-ish and the sofa was to your right-ish. Had it been only my brother and I, one of us would have laid across the couch to sleep while the other slept in a reclining chair. But since there were four of us that weekend, we each went to sleep in one of the recliners, two on the couch and one on each chair. The night had been unremarkable, and we fell asleep sometime after midnight. Jack and I were reclining in the chairs, partly facing Tommy and my brother on the couch. At some point a few hours after I'd fallen asleep, I woke up for no apparent reason. Generally, when I wake up in the middle of the night, I barely wake up at all and fall right back to sleep, but I was pretty awake this time. Awake enough to notice Jack's eyes open slowly, too, just after mine had which was kind of a weird coincidence. Seconds later, as we sat in the dark, silent, probably both trying to go back to sleep, my brother bolted to an upright sitting position in the recliner, and almost immediately after, Tommy followed suit. They sat up suddenly enough that it startled me, and I turned to look straight at them. Their eyes were still closed. Then my brother began to speak, but what came out of his mouth wasn't any language that I had ever heard before, if it was a language at all. Before I could process this enough to mutter an insightful what the fuck, Tommy turned his head, eyes closed, and responded to my brother in what sounded like the same indecipherable tongue. Then, after a beat, the two of them shared a laugh, eyes still shut, sitting straight up in their recliners. After their laughter died down, my brother and Tommy laid back down and fell asleep almost immediately. I turned my head slightly and made eye contact with Jack, and I could tell by his look of disbelief that I wasn't imagining things. I sat awake for a few minutes trying to make sense of what had just happened, and then eventually, having gotten nowhere in that pursuit... I fell back asleep. The next morning, as we slowly all woke up for the day, eventually Jack and I asked Tommy and my brother what the hell they had been doing the night before. They sincerely had no idea what we were talking about and had no memory of their demonic conversation the night before. We couldn't explain how it came to be that we all woke up at the same time and that two of us had a conversation in a language, real or unreal, that neither of them understood while they were apparently still asleep. But luckily it never happened again that we know of. The end. That's how you end a great story. That you know of. That you know well, of. Well, yeah, I mean, honestly. <laughs> like You should you should like put a nanny cam in your brother's yeah. house and see if he does it by himself. Ah yikes. That's one of my favorite favorite stories. Yeah, I feel like it doesn't tell super great sometimes, but I it's it's genuinely frightening. It does. <laughs> like, it's- it's yeah. terrifying. No, you let it sink in for a minute, and it's like, nope, not ne- never want to see that. Sorry that you did. 
<laughs> I am also sorry. That I... <laughs> is that like highest form of flattery? <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much. I'm sorry that I saw. Oh, this wow. Well. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I have one too. Um, this is not one of our friends. This is one that's like floated around the internet that I've been sent by a few people. It's really terrifying. I just want to make it clear that it's not like an original story. We just found it from other uh, other sources. It's on that creepy pasta, like terrifying website. It's been on Reddit. Um, it's around. So just to clarify, there isn't like an attribution. I don't think that's like the person is named anywhere. So sorry about that, but it's a really good one. It's called the Smiling Man. I've always been a night person. So let me back up. It's told from the the first person, but this isn't me. So anyway, um, thank God. <laughs> Um, and I don't believe in God but thank you for not having to experience this okay I've always been a night person so I would often find myself bored after my roommate who was decidedly not a night person went to sleep to pass the time I used to go for long walks and spend the time thinking I spent four years like that walking alone at night and never once had a reason to feel afraid I always used to joke with my roommate that even the drug dealers in the city were polite but all of that changed in just a few minutes of one evening it was a Wednesday, somewhere between 1 and 2 in the morning, and I was walking near a police patrolled park quite a ways from my apartment. It was a quiet night, even for a weeknight, with very little traffic and almost no one on foot. The park, as it was on most nights, was completely empty. I turned down a short street in order to loop back to my apartment when I first noticed him. At the far end of the street, on my side, was the silhouette of a man dancing. It was a strange dance, similar to a waltz, but he finished each box with an odd forward stride. I guess you could say he was dance-walking, headed straight for me. Deciding he was probably drunk, I stepped as close as I could to the road to give him the, the majority of the sidewalk to pass me by. The closer he got, the more I realized how gracefully he was moving. He was very tall and lanky, he was wearing an old suit. He danced closer still until I could make out his face. His eyes were open wide and wild. Head tilted back slightly, looking off of the sky. His mouth was formed in a painfully wide cartoon of a smile. Between the eyes and the smile, I decided to cross the street before he danced any closer. I took my eyes off of him to cross the empty street. As I reached the other side, I glanced back and then stopped dead in my tracks. He had stopped dancing and was standing with one foot in the street, perfectly parallel to me. He was facing me, but still looking skyward. Smile still wide on his lips. I was completely and utterly unnerved by this. I started walking again, but kept my eyes on the man. He didn't move. Once I had put about half a block between us, I turned away from him for a moment to watch the sidewalk in front of me. The street and the sidewalk ahead of me were completely empty. Still unnerved, I looked back to where he had been standing to find him gone. For the briefest of moments, I felt relieved until I noticed him. He had crossed the street and was now slightly crouched down. I couldn't tell for sure due to the distance and the shadows, but I was certain he was facing me. I had looked away from him for no more than ten seconds, so it was clear that he had moved fast. I was so shocked that I stood there for some time staring at him, and then he started moving toward me again. He took giant, exaggerated, tiptoed steps as if he were a cartoon character sneaking up on someone, except he was moving very, very quickly. I'd like to say at this point that I ran away or pulled out my pepper spray or my cell phone or anything at all, but I didn't. I just stood there, completely frozen, as the smiling man crept toward me. And then he stopped again, about a car length away from me. Still smiling his smile, still looking to the sky. 
When I finally found my voice, I blurted out the first thing that came to mind. What I meant to ask was, what do you want? In an angry, commanding tone, what came out was a whimper. What? Regardless of whether or not humans can smell fear, they can certainly hear it. I heard it in my own voice, and that only made me more afraid. But he didn't react to it at all. He just stood there, smiling. And then, after what felt like forever, he turned around, very, very slowly, and started dance-walking away. Just like that. Not wanting to turn my back to him again, I just watched him go, until he was far enough away to be almost out of sight. And then I realized something. He wasn't moving away anymore, nor was he dancing. I watched in horror as the distant shape of him grew larger and larger. He was coming back my way, and this time, he was running. I ran, too. I ran until I was off the side road, back into a better lit road with sparse traffic. Looking behind me, looking behind me then, he was nowhere to be found. The rest of the way home, I kept glancing over my shoulder, always expecting to see his stupid smile, but he was never there. I lived in that city for six months after that night and never went out for another walk. There was something about his face that always haunted me. He didn't look drunk, he didn't look high, he looked completely and utterly insane. And that's a very, very scary thing to see. I just want to note that it's uh, it was 6.08 p.m. when I wet my pants. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, about a minute ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've heard that before and read it myself, yeah. and it's still scary, even when you know what's going to happen. I know, I know, and it's Ugh. yeah. I thought it was a good one for this because it's the same reaction of anyone that I've heard that's read it or been read to. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a good one. I'm sorry for whoever that happened to, and I don't know where that guy is, but. Ugh. Uh, um, well, I think we have a little time. I feel like we've only, this is, this segment's only been going on for like eight minutes. So I'm just going to tell this one and, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. So this is another one from my convent collection. Um, and it's called lights in the basement. Sounds kind of sexy, but it's not. Um, so another summer we stayed at the convent for a weekend just to dog sit. These kinds of weekends were nice because we didn't have any additional work to do. All we had to do was relax, watch cable on a really big TV, neither of which were things we could do at home, and keep the three dogs, Sammy, Jingle, and Raven, fed and relieved. Over the years that I was employed at the Child Center, we did this probably on average of one to two weekends a month, maybe more. This weekend, however, was different. Friday night passed without issue. The heat of the summer brought out cockroaches, which thankfully never seemed to make their way into the building, but would come out at dusk and dawn and cover the driveway and part of the walkway up from it. Other than that, it was business as usual. As Saturday passed, a huge summer thunderstorm was forecasted, so we made sure to gather up some batteries and flashlights because a lot of the time the old breakers at the convent would blow fuses, and even if the power came back on in the neighborhood after an outage, we'd have to change fuses to get it back on in the building. That evening, we sat around the little table in the kitchen eating dinner while the dogs ate from their bowls just a few feet away with the TV on. The storm began, and before long, the power was out from the high winds. Lucky for us, the storm was incredibly strong, but short and was over within less than an hour. We sat in the kitchen with our flashlights on and finished our meal. After the noise from the storm ended, things became eerily quiet, and we waited to see if the power would come back on. As we sat there, Sammy, the largest of the dogs, jumped up from her post-meal nap and ran down the hall and around a corner to the front door of the child center, barking like a lunatic. All the dogs at the convent were pretty chill, not at all aggressive, and Sammy was probably the meekest of them all, despite being the biggest, so this was pretty surprising to say the least. Still, we figured it was probably just someone from the parish swinging by to see if the nuns were all right with the power outage. So we got up and walked across the hall from the kitchen into the baby room and peered through the blinds to see who was at the front door. 
something we did pretty regularly to avoid having to answer the door if it was someone we didn't feel like dealing with on the weekends. However, unlike most times, no one was there. No one. All of a sudden, Sammy paused and bolted back down the hallway to the door to the trash yard, fiercely barking all the while. At this point, we were pretty on edge. Maybe she just wants to go out, he said, my brother. Uh, That was normally where we let her out on the weekends, as there was a fenced yard and we didn't need to watch her, so it seemed plausible. But just as he hesitantly took a step forward to let her out, she again turned and ran to the front door, barking. By now I was scared, and I think my brother was too, although we weren't talking about it. But without speaking, we both went after her toward the front door. I can't speak for him, but my thoughts at this moment were wholly occupied with the fact that we should not split up, because something was happening. This time, perhaps in a fit of bravery, my brother put his eye to the peephole in the front door, and without saying a word, when he pulled his head back, I knew that no one was there, and I quickly went to make sure the knob and deadbolt were both latched. After only a moment, Sammy again turned and ran down toward the trash yard door. We ran after her again, flashlights in hand, but this time, instead of barking at the trash yard door, she stopped on the landing and turned, barking into the basement, unable to descend the stairs because of the baby gate that was stretched across the width of them. At this point, David ran down and locked the door to the trash yard, and the two of us grabbed Sammy and carried her upstairs to the second floor. We'd had enough and decided to bring all the dogs up there and to hunker down on the enclosed porch where we usually slept until the power came back on. There were newspapers, and we'd rather clean up after the dogs than deal with whatever was going on. After a few hours, we noticed the streetlights come back on, but the power in the convent stayed off. We talked about going to check the fuses, but neither of us wanted to have to go to the basement to check them in the dark. So since it was already the wee hours of Sunday morning, we decided to wait it out and do it in the daytime. Sure enough, there was a blown 30-amp S-fuse in the box down in the laundry room, so we replaced that and then flipped the master switch on the modern breaker off and on, and the power came back onto the building. In the light of day, everything seemed fine. When Monday rolled around, we were talking to one of our coworkers who lived in the same city as the convent about the storm. She'd lost power too, so she and her boyfriend had gone for a drive once the storm had passed. She confessed that they had decided to come mess with us while the power was out. But after driving by and seeing lights on in the basement, they felt bad that we were down there in the dark, probably scared, trying to get the power back on, and drove away, deciding to leave us alone. Neither of us corrected her at the time, but the conversation ended almost immediately after we exchanged sickened looks. We'd never set foot in the basement that night. So, yeah. <laughs> good. That was good. <laughs> ah. Yeah, it's a good one. I like the convent collection. I think it should be. It's almost like um Yeah, buy my book, everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's like a perfume, but it's not. It's the convent scary. collection. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it so uh, ghosts, huh? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's really the scariest part is that the stuff actually happened yeah, to you. Huh? Like, I don't have any ghost stories, and I'm happy. The thing with is, that. like, that night was scary. Mm-hmm. And then we got over it, and we're like, ah, whatever. And then, you know, mm-hmm. to find out two days later that, like, it was much scarier than we thought because something <laughs> or someone was in the basement. <laughs> Like, that's why she was barking. Like, someone was, something was there. Like, I don't know, but but, whatever. And didn't, like, when we talked about this before, didn't you say you checked, like, checked the doors and stuff, and it didn't seem like they, anyone had Right, right, yeah, no. And so probably what happened was that, like, the trash yard door maybe wasn't locked because it, it was, like, around the back. Like, we always pretty much kept the front door locked when we were there alone, but the back door we might not have or something since we were sitting in the kitchen, which was really close to it. And so like maybe someone had come in, but I don't know. Cause they ran back and forth so many times. Like I really don't, I don't know. 
but it's fucking scary. <laughs> so, like it's faster than a human. Right. Unless it was the smiling yeah. man. He moves fast. Yeah. <laughs> Probably was. Probably was. <laughs>